gentlemen, welcome into episode 57 of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Summers. In the studio, alongside me today, as always, James Cook. And Harrison Beebe makes a return, not not far removed from his last episode. Where I, I like to look at it as I'm the uh, break glass in case of emergency fill-in host. That's basically what ha- In reality, it's just a text Sunday night saying, hey, can you do the pod? But... I, I like to look hey, at I it even as I'm that axe there for fire danger, the fire hose. That I even asked you on sh- Saturday. You did? I did. I don't recall that. It was not a night before text. I know that. No, you literally asked me last night. No. You didn't mention it Saturday. I would have better... had this on my radar. You, you better... know how much I'm excited to do these every you, week? You better check your text messages again there, pal. <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> was that Saturday? It was Saturday. All right, well, you keep doing your intro. Probably in response to Jake being having his hopes crushed. He thought Michigan State was going to beat Ohio State, and he'd probably drown his sorrows and needed an extra day off. Yesterday, one twenty podcast tomorrow. What? And we don't tape them on Sundays, so yeah, because I was moving yesterday. Fine, I was wrong. Ugh, you I'll, never challenge me I'll, on random trivia. I'll eat. I'll eat the crow if I must. In any case, we're happy to have Harrison in studio filling in for Jake Atnip, Mister Howdy Howdy himself, who is. Uh, I think he's spending some time with his grandma today. Oh, gee. I always thought he was seeking, like, a sponsorship from Hungry Howie's. Because, like, <laughs> then I could score that. I love Hungry Howie's Pizza. And we don't have it up here anymore. So I'm no, I've never even heard of that. What is that? He's ne- Hungry what? Howie's Pizza? Really? Whoa. Uh, that's that's a That's a, new, a, term, a new term in my lexicon. We had one right okay. in 14th Street by Thoroughly Field for forever, and it closed four years ago, and I still miss it. It's to a chain? Day. Yeah. yeah. Oh. There used to be another one over by the library, too. Yeah. At one point. Yeah, one by the library. I mean, huh. great crust. That was one of my favorite college pizzas. Yeah, have. they had like the buttered crusts mm-hmm. and stuff. You can get the garlic, garlic butter and everything in the crust. Can we get them to sponsor this too? Maybe. Probably not since they're not here. <laughs> Long distance sponsors. <laughs> we don't need them. They left and we've got, we've got Jimmy John sponsoring us. Always thankful for their support. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. A hell of a show if I may say so. Uh, Trevor City St. Francis's. Molly Mirabelli and Hannah Sidorowitz, uh, outside hitter and setter, respectively, for the Gladiators. They are in the middle of their Division Three tournament run. Uh, quarterfinals coming up on Tuesday, which is at the earliest when you're listening to this episode. So we get to know them a little bit. We don't focus so much on Tuesday's game. But uh, the run, the season, a few other fun tidbits with each of them. And we're going to go over our remaining title contenders in the two sports, Trevor City St. Francis football, Onekama football, Leland Kingsley, and St. Francis volleyball. Jump into the bulletin board after the interview. We've got some news out of Trevor City West Golf. Uh, big news. Big accomplishment there, uh, as well as a coach, a state championship winning coach, stepping down in Central Lake, making news last week. We'll have another rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame. We will induct the lucky 13th member of this fall season. We've only got a couple of weeks to go before we shift toward our retroactive inductions uh, that we will get to before basketball season really gets started. Wrestling and hockey. Basketball. I did say basketball. basketball. (laughs) We're missing a big one, though. Well, girls basketball, too. I'm blanking on it. Are we? It's skiing? Not, it's bowling. Bowling? You know, the fun ones? The ones you do, you know, on the weekends? That's true. Although I've never skied. Ooh. Ever. Never, ever? Never, ever. 
Downhill or cross country, either? Well, okay, I've done cross country skiing okay. in gym class in middle school. That counts. I don't think I've ever done cross country. I have tried downhill a couple times. I've seen a guy downhill ski on cross country skis, so if you know how those work, it's mm. very interesting to see him pull it off. And uh, no snowboarding either. The closest I've done to snowboarding is just strapping one onto my feet and getting pulled around the yard on a four-wheeler. Didn't Johnny Tsunami motivate you to do anything in your childhood? Oh, that was a good movie. It was. You know that one, James? I do not. Just just <laughs> this side of Brink. It's going to be up on the March Madness poll for next spring. Just this side of Brink, Harrison. Oh, yeah. Second best Disney sports movie. And then we will get into the trifecta. Not that I want to bring up any sad news on this otherwise exciting podcast but marvel universe creator stan lee died monday at the age of 95 so we're going to do a little memoriam share our favorite marvel moments we're celebrating and or movies and or comic strips yes we're going to celebrate the life of mr lee who we will dearly miss including those wonderful cameos in every movie that comes out those unfortunately will be no more I hope he taped the last one for the new Avengers already, because that's like the biggest movie of them all next spring. You know I what? Hope he taped I, that one I wouldn't be surprised if he actually taped all of them for every movie that they had already. I guess planned. you can just slide it in anyway. You don't really. It doesn't need to right. give any context to the main story. Just start reusing them. I mean, Carrie Fisher is still going to be in episode nine of Star Wars, so I she gotta believe to we be. can find a way to get Stan Lee's that's physical true. presence in this final Avengers movie. That, that is a little different, but. I digress. Let's check the heartbeat of the sports world and get into the pulse. Our state title contenders, we're going to play a little game of will they or won't they today. We're going to start on the football side of things with the Gladiators of St. Francis who won a snowy and cold game last Friday night, 41-20 to over the visiting Kingsley Stags. That score is entirely misleading. It was... Uh, one possession ball game into the fourth quarter of 21 to 20 I believe in the third quarter and the Stags gave the Glads a run until the tide kind of turned on a fumble in the second half James I think well you were, you both were at that game We were Are you still cold? Have you warmed up yet? Yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. How are you James? Oh yeah, I'm fine cuz I was up in the press, press box, box the whole time. <laughs> I never it's a little chilly up there but not bad. They didn't open any windows and let the snow in on Friday. They they did have the window open in the west in the uh in the one coaching box for It fil- did feel a little cool. Yeah, I had a feeling somebody had a window open somewhere in that big press box, but um you know, I, I've covered a lot of games you know, close to a decade now with 7-4, and four, and I, as, as rough as that one was, I, I, I dare say the uh, semifinal for St. Francis last year, the rain and wind game down at Mount Pleasant, that one was worse than... I'd rather rain, shoot rain in is snow. always worse than yeah, snow. Yeah, I'd rather shoot in snow than have to cover that miserable semifinal weather day that was a year ago. The yeah. week before that was, I think, worse. The Millington, the Millington game. Oh, yeah. I wasn't at that one. The icebox game, right? Yeah, that was, it was like 10 degrees or you didn't, something. You didn't have a press box at that one, did you? Well, I was shooting the game, so I was on the sidelines the whole game. Your lens and was sticking? I don't think my lens was sticking, but, man, I couldn't feel my hands. Time stuck. I, I was trying Time to. froze still. I remember trying to type my game story after that in my car, and my I, just trying to get circulation going again in my hands and stuff because I had to wear a thin gloves so that I could tweet too and or, and then take them off every now and then to tweet. So St. Francis has got it easy this year compared to their weather road last year. All right well 
Here's the will they or won't they. Will St. Francis play a closer game than it did against Kingsley the rest of the way? Now, the rest of the way at most is two games. State semifinal this weekend in Mount Pleasant against... Montague. Oh, yeah, Montague. And then we're kind of thinking Jackson Lumen Christie in a potential state championship game. But are, are they going to play a, a harder-fought game than they did on Friday against Kingsley? I think so. I mean, if they get to the finals and play Jackson Lumen Christie, I mean, that game is a literal toss-up. And, uh, you know, the Kingsley game through three quarters, though, was, you know, as tough of a game as St. Francis has had this year by far. I mean, it was 21-20 to until they got that big defensive play by Artie Dutmers where they, he stopped uh, Owen Graves on the fourth-down sweep. Play. Okay, let, let, i got to stop you here for a second, and got to call out our former host, Brendan Queeley, because I'm following along on Twitter Friday night. Artie makes that tackle. It's still the third quarter, and Brendan described it as a game-saving tackle. Now, I get it was a big play in the game. I get that it gave the ball back to St. Francis. But, Brendan, you can't have a game-saving tackle by the winning team in the third quarter. I'm sorry, you just can't. It was a life-altering tackle. I think it did kind of alter the trajectory of the game, though. It was a big momentum shift. I mean, St. Francis was only up by one at that point, and Kingsley was driving. They were at, like, I don't know, the 30-yard line or something of St. Francis. So they were driving in for another score. Sure. Potentially to go ahead. Sure, but if Kingsley go even if Kingsley goes up 28 or 27 to 21 in that situation, I'm not banking on St. Francis not scoring the rest of the game. I, I just, I can't, I can't do that. Brendan also So I just, I just had to give him some crap. Yeah, Brendan seems to, like, develop these man crushes on some of the local high school guys. I mean, we talked about the Coblander. You guys had talked about the, which was fantastic, that Cobe had no idea who he was. Uh, and that's, I think, Artie Dutmers right now, because I'm standing on the sidelines with him. I was like, I think this might have been before the interception. It was like, man, Artie Dutmers, that's, that's just a football name. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, because he's a football player. Good call, Brendan. I mean, Artie's a great guy. Uh, I interviewed him last week as well. He's very down-to-earth uh, and a fantastic player for the St. Francis team, but uh, I think Brendan's convinced that he's going to be the Super Bowl MVP in 10 years. <laughs> I mean, he, he never picks a player undeserving of, oh, they're always of good. attention. They're always good players. <laughs> but, I, I mean, am I, am I forgetting anybody? When I think of Brendan's list, I, I've got... He has jo- a love-hate I've got, relationship I've got Joey, with I've got the Joey, players, Joey yeah. Weber. Jalen Rogers, Artie Dutmers, Koblund. Yeah, you said Jalen. Am, um, am I missing anybody? Th- those are the four that pop into my mind as garnering I think that's his Bren- dream Bren- Brendan's affection. That's his dream dinner table. He wants to like hang out with those guys on a Saturday night and cook them pasta or something. Or perhaps that uh, that age old question of you know when when you die you get to uh, sit in heaven with a seat uh, <laughs> or a table of of anyone that you can pick. Those are the four guys he's having at his. At it's his the dinner, second most table. exclusive club in Northern Michigan high school sports, <laughs> just behind and, the Get Around Hall of Fame. And don't forget Jacob Ransom. Anyway, it was a fantastic play. Wish I could have seen it. I've heard it described by many. I was tuning in on the radio to WLJN just before I... You didn't hear Marv Albert do the call on Bob FM? I didn't, just before I went to bed. They may get a stiffer test from Jackson Lumen Christie, should that be the matchup in the state championship game. But that game against Kingsley, no doubt, will prepare the Gladiators. I mean, they haven't haven't had a team take them to the second half yet this season. I, I don't even think you could really say New Lothrop was in the game in the second half. Yeah, not really. I mean... 
I, with I've the been, three scores. I've been so. saying it for a while. I don't think we can overlook the semifinal here. Is St. Francis favored? Probably in this neutral side against Montague, but Grand Rapids teams know how to play football, so it, it, they're going to get a good test, and they know that, and they want that. And Montague is a historic program in their own right, so they know what it's like to kind of play in these bigger games. Like I said, St. Francis, I'm sure will, if there's a betting line on high school sports, they would be the favorite, but it, let's not sleep on the fact that Montague could really give them a game to earn that return trip to Fort Field. I think they could give them a game, but I, I, I mean the weather Saturday is supposed to be cold, chance of rain, but not as bad as last year, but I think it's it's supposed to still be maybe 40 degrees and a 50% chance and if of wrong, rain or if something. If you want to bring up weather, I think that helped Kingsley for a little bit because St. Francis was having a lot of uh, you know unorthodox fumbles there in the first half. It gave, gave Kingsley some momentum. So yeah, un- uncharacteristic. has bothered St. Francis in the past week. So. Yeah, that was very uncharacteristic. I, but I think if the weather is bad, that it takes way more away from Montague than it does from St. Francis because St. Francis doesn't throw the ball. Montague does. They split not quite 50-50, but they throw the ball a good amount. Harrison, you and I had the pleasure of heading down to Onekama on Saturday. The Mud Bowl. The Mud Bowl, yeah. You, you had the snow, the snow Bowl Friday night, and we had the Mud Bowl on Saturday in Onekama. The Portagers rallied to defeat visiting Portland St. Patrick 28-14 to after being held scoreless in the first half. Uh, the Portagers just exploded after halftime in that game. That poor football field. Oh, it it ain't much of a football field the anymore. Football field, I know. the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> the best part, Brett and I were saying the best part, there was a kid on St. Patrick. We were looking at in like the third or fourth quarter. You look you could not tell their, what number. Their, their he was. star player, his number jersey 34, was so mud covered. You could not Brett had to like glance in with his lens to ask what he thought was the number. I I still am not sure that was thirty four, but it was that like you could not tell who he was. The mud was caked on in layers, and man, was that fun! I, that's one of the most fun games that I've been to in a long time, just because of the conditions. It didn't like, even feel like a game. It felt like a, a group of guys, like in someone's backyard, just playing a scrappy game of football. Mo- know, like mother, mother nature's hitting. slip and slide. Yeah, and John Neff stealing the show with the uh, slip and slide at the end. At the end of the game, that was fantastic. Yeah, the players goaded the head coach into doing a full-on belly flop head dive into the mud puddle at, at midfield. He he came up covered all over his face and it was uh and then did his interviews did he, his job he did he did <laughs> it was a uh, it was a really cool scene in Onekama. they're gonna play for a state championship in the Superior Dome in Marquette on Saturday in the game before they uh they were gonna think about giving him a Gatorade bath but they didn't really have a Gatorade bucket and it was really cold too so while while I was interviewing him one of the players had gone and run over to the concession stand and gotten like a three or four bags of popcorn and just <laughs> ran over and dumped all these bags of popcorn over nice. in his head while I was in here. Man, what are they going to have planned if they win the whole thing? I don't know, but it'll probably be pretty cold up there, so. It'll be indoors. Oh, that's true. Indoors. <laughs> indoors. It's the finals, man. you got to play it in, in prime conditions. That. I imagine that Northern Michigan University will not let them do a Gatorade bath. <laughs> well, they're the, inside, sec- they're the second game, field. so. I imagine just that's a, just a, a general no policy, a no-go in their policy. Yeah. Well, the, the will they or won't they for Onekama, and it's the most down-to-the-point one of our five teams, is will Onekama win a state championship Saturday against Rapid River? Yep. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, Rapid River, um, they were 6-3 and three in the regular season. They've caught fire here in the playoffs. But all their playoff wins have been by one touchdown. Um, so they'll be maybe more tested 
that Onekama has because Onekama's games have largely been been blowouts here in the playoffs. But you know they yeah all three of their games just by one score. You know they their three losses were to three good playoff teams obviously. Mm-hmm. Pickford one of them. Pickford one of them. Engadine uh, one which they avenged in the playoffs then and I'm trying to think of who the third one. Octagon. Antonagon. Octagon. No, they they beat them. Is, no, they lost to Octagon is Daniel in, in, week, in, in week, week one of the season. Power is North Central. Oh, they beat why, did, why did I think they I don't lost know, to Because you thought I was coming on here on Saturday. Gosh, That's right. They beat Octagon 38 to nothing and then they lost to Power I North they Central. Lost to, I just wanted to say that they lost to Octagon. They got crushed by Pickford. By Octagon? <laughs> Did you see the Pickford? The Pickford score in the first quarter was thirty to nothing or twenty to nothing over Augre Sims. <laughs> so that semifinal was over in a quarter. Sutton's, and Augre came in that game undefeated. I mean, Sutton's Bay very well could have been a finalist if they'd have been on the other side of the bracket, been. or or just pushed through in that fourth quarter. Norseman will be back for more though, I think, in years to come. Uh, what's your, what's your take on Onekama Harrison? Yeah, we'll touch on Onekama in a second, but Rapid River, uh, yeah, the record isn't as strong as as maybe other teams who are in this spot usually are, but I, I did some research. The program's played in two eight-man state championship games already back when they were down in Greenville at Legacy Field. I think it was 2011-2013. So the, the guys on this team now, when they were younger, they would see the Rockets make the state finals. So they're aware of this and the fact that UP teams, usually one of them since the beginning of the eight-man championship game, have usually always been involved. Uh, you know, this is kind of their birthright in a sense. It's in their home part of the state, in their capital of the Upper Peninsula in a sense. So Rapid River's going to have a lot of fans there. I mean, that's only a one, two-hour bus ride for them mm-hmm. compared to Onekama having to probably take a six-hour drive. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting, but let's harken back to a year ago. Central Lake, everybody was kind of wondering how they do. Now they played Deckerville, so that they didn't play a UP team. But Central Lake was our hot area team from up here, and uh, we were kind of questioning what it would be like when they get on that grand stage, and sure enough, no problems there. They got things done. So Onekama's got playmakers. You know, we were we were t- on the sidelines, and it was the funny story I told you on Saturday as Coach Neff comes up to me, he's like, if Ben Acton's not Division Eight Player of the Year, and I look at him, I'm like, well, he's not going to be Division Eight Player of the Year because he doesn't play in Division Eight." And he goes, Wait, you, you know what I mean. Uh, but Acton is very talented. Shout out to Coach Neff. He's like the only coach in game that will just sit there and have a conversation with you while he's coaching a state semifinal football game. Um, <laughs> that but, is true. The week before, he's like, he's like, turns to me and he's like, "How many penalties have we had, James?" <laughs> and I'm like, I, going through back to my notes. I'm like them. seven. Well, I showed up. I showed up to the team preview in August to to do their season preview, and uh, Megan Vaselli from Nine and Ten was there as well. And he's like, "Oh, you guys are all here today." I'm like, "Yeah, it's Onekama Media Day," and he just went off. He's like, "Yeah, Onekama Media Day." Like he, he took that to heart and stuff. So it was pretty cool. Um, but they've got athletes. You know, Acton is amazing on offense and defense, and they're hungry. You know, those guys were had a shot to uh, make a run a year ago. Came up against Pickford in the semi in the second round, I think, and had those dreams cut short last year, but. They've checked all the boxes they need to this year, and they're in Division Two, which gave them a great opportunity to host throughout. And here they are, three for three in home playoff wins, and one more to go. I think they have just as good a shot to be Rapid River as, as Rapid River does, so I can't wait to see what happens. Yes, I do think Onekama will win a state championship on Saturday. The game against Portland St. Patrick, I think now this is a very you know, 30,000-foot glance uh, at Rapid River, but I sort of feel like if I were talking to John Neff right now, he would say a lot of the same things headed into this game as he was against Portland St. Patrick. 
He was very impressed going into that game uh, of the Shamrocks' ability to run and to throw the football. And he talked about how it was going to be on that defense to shut down a very powerful offense. Now, granted, the weather was not conducive to throwing the ball on Saturday. Portland St. Patrick tried anyway and ended up throwing two picks, including a game changer that Acton took back 60 yards for a touchdown. But, you know, kind of looking at Rapid River, I mean, they can score a ton of points. The season high, they, 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 they won a game 80-55. to 55. They've given up a lot of points. <laughs> yeah, that means the other team scored a lot, too. So it means it's Big 12 football. Yeah, so, you know, my sort of 30,000-foot glance at this game is that it's going to be on Onekama's defense. You're watching the mm-hmm. game from a Jumbotron? Yes. There's a... Well, that's, well that'd, that's be a re- that'd be a really high Tall Jumbotron. jumbotron. Yeah. That's the Brimley game you're talking yes. about, right? Yeah, they gave up 55 points to a team that finished 1-8. Right. So there are going to be opportunities there for Ben Acton, for Luke Montler, for Ryland Ryland Clark, Aaron Powers to score the football. I don't think offense is going to be a problem. The defense just has to come ready to play again like they did did against Portland St. Patrick. And if they do that, I think the Portagers are are bringing home a trophy. Volleyball. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it could be a really, really packed house in Battle Creek. You've got Leland in Division 4, St. Francis in Division 3, Kingsley in Division Two, all possible state semifinalists pending Tuesday's quarterfinal outcomes. We'll start with Leland in Division Four. They have been absolutely annihilating everyone that they've played so far in the postseason. Are they going to drop a set? That's Th- my throughout. That's my will. They or won't. Will they drop? A, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. Just kind of thinking that you know Leland is by far and away the favorite <clears throat> to win the state volleyball championship this year in. in Division four, but will they drop a set this postseason? I mean, I would say I'll say I'll say yes. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna say yes. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say get your frosted flakes ready because I always want to do a cereal pun for Kellogg Arena or Fruit Loops, you know, whatever Kellogg cereal you want to eat. But uh, yeah, Leland, you know, they've they've had a great run, uh, but they're gonna run into some tough teams from downstate. We kind of looked at it before we taped the show here, Menden. Adrian Lenawi, Christian Lenaway, yeah. S- yeah, that one. Uh, it's like Octagon Christian, yeah. Yeah, well, you know they're not in our coverage area, so they're not. Carney they're not Nadeau, listening to the get around. Or Nado, how are you? County Nado and Ottawa is a talented team. We talked yeah. about so a few gonna, weeks ago. They're going to run into some good teams. Um, you know, two good teams. And if the if, simple if, over under <laughs> is are they giving up a set? Then I, yeah, I think, then I think we're, so. we're comfortable in saying that's probably going to happen somewhere. Another the question is, are they, are they all right, put put get a, upset by any of these teams? There's the chance, but just they're, they're looking like that 2015 team that can do no harm. And the kryptonite from the 2018 or 2015 team was Battle Creek St. Philip, and they're not in this tournament anymore. And they wouldn't be the home court advantage in Battle Creek if that game would happen in a rematch. So. I gotta believe Leland's gonna bring home their second state title in two weeks. All right. Well, let let's let's change that up just a tad. Then, how many sets will Leland drop the rest of the way? You may want to say in two years because you said two weeks. Soccer. Set on oh, okay, that's right. Okay. I thought you were talking about their last championship. Gotcha. Nope. Three years, anyways. How many sets will Leland drop and include quarterfinals? I think, especially the finals. Onaway will give them a game in that semifinal. Sorry, Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart. I see that one being another sweep in the quarters. But Onaway could give them a game. A couple years ago, 
I think it was 2014, actually, those two teams met in the semifinal. They went to a fifth game, mm-hmm. and Leland won 15 to nothing in that fifth game. Again, none of that probably in 2014 has any weight on what happens in 2018 besides the fact that some of those seniors were probably team managers <laughs> watching on the sideline. But So Onaway in the past has played Leland tough. I don't know how tough that, that semifinal is going to be, but Menden... Southfield Christian, whoever they lock with in the final, I mean, that's going to be a good game. And Leland knows it, and they want that game. So I'm going to say at least a couple are going to be dropped. But at the same time, as long as they win more than they drop, I think that gives them the outright title, correct? I'll go two. That, that, Which, al- that also is my answer. I'm going to say two. Two assumes that you win the state championship because you can't lose a match by losing just two sets. So... Yeah, I think they win the championship. Um, I don't think that in these last three matches they drop any more than two sets total. Uncomfortable with that. Kingsley Volleyball. They beefed up their schedule the last couple of years, played a ton of Division One schools this year. Were parents asking in the past, where's the beef? Is that why Mitch Makenberg beefs up the schedule? Maybe. Right. Probably. Does Mitch do it or does Dave Hall do it? Or do they do well, it? Well, the athletic director oversees it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, probably. He makes the phone calls. Anyway, will will Kingsley's bettered schedule pay dividends over a potential three more matches this season? How and how far do you see that getting them? I think they're definitely going to be in Battle Creek, um, you know, and the, and the schedule I think has helped them out. I you know it, beating teams twenty five to five, you know, early in the season doesn't help you really get any better. It, it may help confidence I guess or something but you know just scheduling cupcakes and getting a whole bunch of wins early in the season before you go into your league which those games are required so there's nothing you can do about them you know I just don't think scheduling cupcakes really helps you at all and you know when I do like when I said yeah (laughs) when I sit down and do the master schedule and the and everything usually each for each season here I'll, I'll just start noticing trends of who schedules tough teams and who doesn't and you can kind of just tell at the end of the season who's going to be prepared for the playoffs and who's going to have a good record and go in the playoffs and then probably lose early because they didn't play any top competition you know and and Cadillac I mean Kingsley really did boost up their their schedule they got past Cadillac for the first time ever and that's got to be a huge boost for them and you know, I, I think they've got a, a lot of a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum going into this quarterfinals. I think, and I think you'll see them in Battle Creek. I think the Cadillac game, what you know, we'll find out for sure in the start on Tuesday night in that quarterfinal. But the Cadillac game could be a blessing and maybe a curse, depending on how it goes. Because th- those girls will tell you, the Cadillac was the one they wanted to play all year. They weren't necessarily thinking about a state championship. They were thinking a lot about Cadillac, and I'm not saying they thought of that as a state championship win, but in a way that was kind of the targeted number one objective of the season. Now, they got that out of the way. Does that mean they're playing with house money going forward? That was the, fra- that was the exact phrase I was going to be that I was gonna use whenever you were done, but you, you beat me to it. I, 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 I think the Stags are playing with house money from this, this point they are. forward. And, to, and we've seen the situation in the past where teams do well with that. Leland two weeks ago, soccer. Uh, they beat Muskegon, Western Michigan, Christian, finally. And then we were able to pair together two more wins after that and win it all. But we've seen in the past some teams build up a certain match up so much in their heads that it's almost kind of a hangover the next time they get on the court and maybe that won't happen in the quarterfinal but um 
depending on where their head's at. If they're motivated, if they're focused, they'll be just fine. They're just as talented as every other team that's going to go down to Battle Creek. But if, if they stay kind of too much in the past and take a lot of pride in, in what they did winning the regional, then uh, you know mentally that could hurt them. So hopefully they're looking ahead to this week and uh, the potential they have to get down there. Yeah, for, for that reason alone, the quarterfinal matchup for the Stags may loom largest. Pretty critical. Of the three teams uh, uh, we're talking Of the about. three, yeah. I mean, even if they were to play for a state title, th- because of the mental aspect of it, this game uh, could be the toughest for the Stags going forward. That leaves St. Francis. Division three. prior to the Gladiators' regional championship win, I talked to Coach Mark Witzak after their semifinal win against Roger City. And Coach said that he was looking forward to the Gladiators finally playing a match this season where everything clicked mentally and physically and all the girls on the floor. He is not under any kind of impression that St. Francis has peaked yet this season, has played its best volleyball. And so my will they or won't they question is, will St. Francis find a way to put it all together before the end of the season and whether that best played match comes in the quarters or the semis or the finals, you know, I'm not necessarily asking will they win a state championship, but will they find a match in any of the potential final three where everything clicks? They certainly better hope so. <laughs> I guess. Uh, you know, I mean, you get this far in the in the playoffs, and that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, you got to put together, um, you know, one of your perfect games. Hopefully, three. I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that the, it helps them that they don't have necessarily a long trip to this quarterfinal. They get to go to, to Cadillac. Um, so it's going to be a little bit shorter trip for them than, I mean, it's not an incredibly long trip for Beale City either, you know, coming up from basically Mount Pleasant. But, but to not have to make that trip to Manistique, I mean, that St. Francis and Kingsley both had to do in regionals. Passed with flying colors. Yeah, I mean, they made the, you know, they made the, most of having to make that trip. But, you know, I, I think then once you get into the Final Four, you know, any, like, anything can happen once you get to the Final Four. But you got to get there first. You know, Molly Mirabelli was talking about her experience of playing there when she was a freshman. You know, that'll be coming up in the, uh, in the interview. But, you know, so they can draw in a little bit of that. You know, they have some players that have, that have been in this before. So, you know, I, I think that they... I think that they will for at least one game, but they got to hope that they can for three. Well, the one thing I think that speaks to incredibly is just how talented that team is. The fact that they don't think they've played a complete, maybe not, may, complete may not be the right word, but they haven't played that match yet this year where everything went right, and yet here they are in the Division Three quarterfinals. So. And, there's, and there's a bunch of factors in that. I mean, you got a new coach, so you got a new system. You've got a a lineup that is not just like all seniors, you know, so you've got some underclassmen, some juniors playing in the, in the starting lineup. So of course they're going to be learning on the fly a bit, you know, and then, you know, like I said, just the, the whole new system of having a, a different coach than, you know, Rita Jones, who's been there for a long time, has got to be a different, uh, a different atmosphere for them. Will they figure it out, Harrison? Well, maybe it's going to take, you know, I don't know their non-conference schedule offhand, uh, but maybe it's going to take one of these downstate 
top 10 ranked teams to, to really bring out of them uh, their best play. Uh, I know a year ago, we, we all kind of debated a couple weeks ago on the podcast how it was strange that they missed out on a, a state quarterfinal, which is kind of usually where they at least get to in this final week of the season. Last year they lost in the regional, um, but that was a year in transition without Juliana Phillips, which was the anchor of that program for years. Everything seems to click with them this year as far as, you know, get, getting the wins. So, And they're a very talented team. I, I think they've got the pieces in place to, uh, depending on what Beale City really throws at them, to at least get to that quarterfinal. And, and maybe that's what it's going to take is to be lined up at Kellogg Arena against another top ten program in Division Three, And that really, depending on when and where in the match, they start to get shaken up. Maybe that's really where they find that spot in that comfort zone. It, it leads to one or maybe two wins down there. Yeah, because it looks like they're probably going to get – I would. I would guess Unionville Seaboring USA in the uh, in the semifinals, and then you're potentially looking at if they get to the finals, number one Monroe St. Mary waiting for you. The pulse was brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City: Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we welcomed in Traverse City St. Francis Volleyball's Molly Mirabelli and Hannah Sidorowitz. Let's go ahead and listen to that interview now. I am thrilled to welcome in Traverse City St. Francis volleyball players Molly Mirabelli and Hannah Sidorowitz into the Get Around Podcast studio. They've got a game coming up, a quarterfinal game in Division Three coming up on Tuesday. They may have already played that game by the time you're listening to this podcast, but we're excited to have them in studio. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks so much for having us. That game aside, depending on the timing of our listeners, you know, just what has this run to up to the quarterfinals been like for you guys I mean especially that regional final you have to go on the road all the way to Manistique to earn that second trophy of the postseason what, what's this run been like it's been surprising a lot and also a lot of it's just I've been we've all been expecting to play our hardest all the time so while we play our hardest we just meld together so well so we believe that we can do anything as long as we're just together in a unit Hannah, do you think it's been surprising? Um, yes, but I think we've all blended together so well, and we've just been really working very hard for this opportunity, and we're very excited for what has to come. I think some people might kind of be curious to hear you say surprising because you guys are a top ten ranked team in Division Three. Should <laughs> should people be surprised like you are? Well, honestly, it's not that it's surprising that we've made it here. It's not that at all. It's just like I want to work on what's in the moment so I never I don't have expectations for what's to come in the future I just want to make sure we're doing good right now and so it's not a surprise it's just it's exciting I agree Hannah how how important is that to stay grounded especially volleyball because it's such a roller coaster sport Mm -hmm. I mean set to set can be different match to match how does how does being grounded help you um we all just on the court, we like tell ourselves like we got this, we got the next point, and we're all there to play for each point, and we kind of go through all together. So, what do you guys do to pass the uh, time on a trip like that to Manistique? I mean, on a on a bus, how long does that trip take? Six hours? Yeah, it, I think it was it was five to six, and we have a lot of dance parties on the bus. And there's room for dancing on the bus. Yes, Not, I mean, well, surprisingly, kind of. <laughs> It's, <laughs> we watch movies, we watch a lot of movies on the way down, and a lot of dancing, singing, 
uh, road trip songs, you know. Like? All the works. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge spectrum. We go from, you know, hardcore rap to just, like, slow, just cruising songs, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so between the two of you, who's the better rapper? Hannah. Oh, um, no, I think Molly. Okay. <laughs> okay, so if you're gonna if you're gonna rap, I won't make you rap, but if you were going to rap, what song would you pick? Me. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's a um, good one to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but I mean, having fun aside, obviously that helps the helps pass the time on the trip. But just how do you how do you maintain your focus going into that game? I mean, I think anybody who's played high school sports has probably had to go through a long bus ride. My experience oftentimes was that you're sluggish getting off the bus. You guys sweat manistique. So how were you able to have your minds ready and then your bodies ready to go after stepping off after such a long ride? You know, most of the time we start off really slow in games. So I guess we've lately been focusing on setting aside a certain amount of time before each game, like... We have 10 minutes left on the bus to go. We're like, okay, this last half hour or 10 minutes or however long it is, just focus, visualize, and um, just make sure you're thinking the game. And that's really helped us get our minds in it and yeah. ready to go. We kind of get in the mindset of like what we're going to do and what we expect to happen. So, mm-hmm. so help me make, make that picture a little more concrete. What, what specifically are you visualizing? Like in the case of regional title, are you picturing yourselves raising the trophy after the match, or, or what specifically are you picturing in your heads? I always try to get people to visualize themselves being the best they can be. So if it's just like replaying themselves, doing the most amazing play they've ever done in their life over and over in their head, or if it's more like just picturing some amazing just athlete and focusing on every good thing they do. It's just a means of having the mindset of being the best, I guess. Believing mm-hmm. yep. that you're good. Mm-hmm. No, nothing different for you, Hannah? I would imagine based person to person, you could have a little bit different interpretation on um, what exactly you'd be picturing. I just think, like, in this certain, like, scenario, I'm going to do this. And, like, if I get down on myself, like, I can't do that. We will touch on Beale City a little bit. Your quarterfinal opponent on Tuesday. I, I talked to uh, Coach Witzak after the the game about this. Were you guys able to find some film on them? Do you do you know what kind of opponent you're getting? Or are you going in blind tomorrow? Tomorrow we have a little bit of film. Okay. We haven't really had much film or knowledge on a lot of the teams we've been playing. We just have like broad ideas of what we're going to be facing, but. So far, as long as we're doing what we're doing, it's been working out. So, Hannah, you kind of direct the offense as the team's setter. It would seem to me that it would be a little more helpful maybe for you in particular to have an idea of how they're going to set up their defense. Yeah. With not having a concrete picture of that, how do you approach that game? Um, well, before the game, like when we're all warming up and we see the other team warming up and hitting, I can kind of picture and see like who the good blockers are and who the good hitters are and kind of see. And are you picking out, are you able to pick out a whole lot of information just from that, just from mm-hmm. watching somebody go through their drills during yeah. practice, mm-hmm. what their tendencies are, yeah. of where they like to hit the ball and what's and open? Like, what, what would a trip to Battle Creek in the state semifinals mean to you guys? It would be so fun. Because, well, it happened my freshman year. 
that was just the only memory I have of it, obviously, because it's the only time it's ever happened for me. But it'd be so cool just to replay that moment because I remember all the girls on that team were just so honored, so just amazed that we made it this far, and it was just it's just this amazing feeling of, wow, we we did this, and then it was. I really want this team to feel what that's like. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that was the first of a number of trips, you know, having it happen as a freshman? And so has it been more disappointing to not get there the last two years? Or what's the feeling like that there like? Um, like I said earlier, I don't really set expectations for a uh, future to come. But um, it's I was expecting more success in the past, but I wasn't disappointed with not. I feel like we accomplished what we could do and we did the best so it's I'm not disappointed in anything. So what have you told your teammates about the uh, atmosphere down in Battle Creek and, and how to deal with that because it's quite a bit different than than you see in most high school volleyball matches. <laughs> I think honestly the only thing I've told this team about Battle Creek is just it's it's fun just the atmosphere it's bright it's big it's exciting and we had a, we had a couple girls also in my grade who had um, they came with us, just they rode on the bus and went down with us, and so they know what it was like too. And I think we can all say that it's just awesome experience. I kind of asked the Leland players about this when we had them on not too long ago. But uh, how difficult is it in, in an atmosphere like that where it is so loud to communicate during a match? It's, it just makes you louder. It, <laughs> so... I mean, you hear the stands going crazy, you know, they're getting louder, so you get louder, and I remember at the Manistique game, even, the crowd was, there was packed, there was no open speeds available, it was just, it was, there was so much chaos going on in the stands that it just excited us more, and we were more pumped up to be loud, communicate really well, and I think that's the environment that we thrive in most. All right, let's get to know each of you a little bit. Now, Hannah, I understand that you moved here as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're a sophomore now. Where'd you move from? Um, St. Clair Shores. Okay, so what, what brought you to Traverse City? Um, we've been vacationing up here like every summer, and we just kind of fell in love with it, so we decided to move. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I heard that you toured some other schools. Can you share what other schools um, you looked at before settling on St. Francis? I didn't really tour that many schools. I kind of like looked at their volleyball programs and stuff, but um, I went to Catholic school downstate, so I thought I should continue that. Okay, so the volleyball and the the Catholic school side of things is is how St. Francis won you over? Okay, what have you come to learn playing for St. Francis, what that that means to be a St. Francis student-athlete to the the community? Um, It means that, like, you play for your teammates. Like, all of... Our teammates, like, they're all my best friends, and we play for each other, and they're all super nice. Like, they all welcomed me. Like, I was, like, there, I don't know, like, I was there forever, and it was just really nice. You're like a little sister. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of joking when I ask this question, but, I mean, you as a setter, how do you, how do you decide who you're going to set the ball up to, whether it's Molly, who's a hitter, <laughs> or the pool sisters, and, like, before games, are they, like, whispering in your ear, like, I, I um, pass it to me tonight? Yeah, sometimes it's very chaotic when it comes to that. Um, but, like, when we need points, then obviously I'm going to go to the best hitters that I have the option to set. 
to get the point. Molly's obviously one of those very good hitters. Yes. She's uh, going to play Division One in Miami, Ohio in college. What's it like to be able to play with that kind of talent on the floor? Um, it's not an opportunity that most people get, and I am so thankful. And, like, she's like, I look up to her all the time, and I love her so much, just like a sister. So, <laughs> is it a goal of yours to play at the next level? Yes, for sure. Any feelers out already? I mean, like we, we said, you're, you're only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. you got some time, but, are you, I mean, do you um, have a dream school or an ideal? I mean, dream school would be, like, Michigan or Michigan State, but um, something like that. Yeah, I mean, Coach Witzak um, called you a one-person or one-athlete wrecking crew. <laughs> um, what does that mean, and how do you harness that mentality? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed <laughs> to take that. I think he meant it entirely positively. I'm sure he did, but <laughs> uh, I just... Mm. Coach Mark has always been one to encourage me to be better than I am and he's just been pushing me and he I have so much respect for him and he has respect for me and it's just this it's this good mutual relationship that has really helped our team to honestly just maintain peace and um, just composure I'm not sure what he means exactly by what what was the term one athlete wrecking crew (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd say that. I think I think our entire team is is honestly a unit. It's just one big fighting machine, I guess. <laughs> and they're all there to, you know, beat up on whoever. So it's a six athlete <laughs> yeah, crew. There you go. What? I like that term better. <laughs> Do you have a measured vertical? Do you know what your vertical is? Because I'd be curious to learn it. I can touch a little over 10 foot. I don't know how high that is. Okay, so you can, gr- you can grab the rim on a basketball hoop. Yes, I can. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> what do you remember from your dad's baseball career? Oh. Were, you, were you old enough to be able to see him on TV? Yeah, I remember most of everything that happened while I was alive, I guess. Um, it's it was It was fun time, but... A lot of people ask me if I miss it and stuff, and I guess it doesn't really matter to me that much. Like, it's not that big of a... It was never really something that I was like, whoa, it's so cool. And it's it's a neat thing, but it's just my dad. (laughs) (laughs) For our Audible viewers who... Uh, aren't aware Molly's dad Doug Mirabelli played for the Red Sox won two World Series with the team I am curious though did hit did his athletic career impact your own at all or how you've gone about your development as a player yeah I I put softball until my sophomore year and that was my last year and it was a really tough decision to you know choose between softball and volleyball but I was playing volleyball year-round at that point, and it was super hard to, freshman year and sophomore year, it was super hard to juggle both my softball season and my year-round travel volleyball schedule. And it was like a national volleyball schedule, right? Not just across Michigan. Right. That sophomore year, I started the nationals. Okay. But um, even freshman year, it was really difficult um, with North Shore. It's just uh, both of them need so much time to get good at them and I remember that when sophomore year when my softball season ended 
and I was also a full-time volleyball player, I made le like leaps and bounds. I was growing in my um, volleyball ability because I no longer was using my arm for both softball and volleyball. I was having time to rest, and I was I just was able to focus on one thing and really dedicate my entire like mind to one specific thing. Was there one particular thing that it came down to into choosing one over the other, or did you kind of know if you ever had to make a choice, volleyball would be it? Um, well, softball was big passion of mine forever, and honestly, I never really made the choice myself. It just kind of happened being that volleyball was year-round, and it just seemed like it had to... Since I was putting more time into volleyball, that kind of became my sport. Not necessarily that I had one love over the other. Your dad being a world champion, has he given you any advice as you guys chase a state title? Uh, my parents kind of leave my athletics and just um, my leadership and direction comes from my teammates and my coach and my parents try to stay out of it just so I can, can kind of control my own future in that aspect, I guess. Are you appreciative that they kind of leave that to you? I am. It, it's, it's kind of nice to be in charge of, I guess, your own future. And they, they did it, so they, always, they knew what it was like to find their own self-motivation, find their own drive within themselves. So that's, I think that's what they want me to find, is my own will to push out there, you know. So your mom was an athlete, too? Yes. What did she play? She played softball at Wichita State with my dad. Oh, okay. Cool. All right, it's time for the wheelhouse for our loyal listeners. They know that it's five quick rapid-fire questions for those who haven't tuned in before. We hope you like it. Just uh, five quick rapid questions for our guests here, and uh, we'll let each one answer in turn, and we may or may not ask you to elaborate a little bit. First, just what's a more exciting way to win a match, a kill or a block? A kill. Well, <laughs> yeah, probably a kill. Why? It's just it's showing off your ability more, yeah, I guess. that's what I was going to say, too. Like... It's more of a ego booster, <laughs> All right, well, you guys are in sync there. Go ahead, James. Uh, what is your uh, go-to meal after a win? <laughs> Spaghetti. Spaghetti. From anywhere in particular? <laughs> no, homemade. Homemade. Of course. Homemade. All right. All the way. What's the favorite book you've read or most recent one if you can't choose a favorite? I have not read a book in a long time, only for, like, school. <laughs> Hungry Caterpillar. I read that to my brother one time. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. What is a volleyball rule that most people do not know? A lot of people don't know that a libero cannot jump over the net. So, like, if they want to go hit a ball, they are not allowed to clear the plane of the net when they're jumping, no matter if they're in front of the 10-foot line or behind it. Mm -hmm. Which is why they don't ever let you be the libero. Yeah, that's, that's why. <laughs> okay, one one reason why, at least. Okay, what's one from you? If the libero uses their hands over the 10-foot line, the hitter can't jump, right? Isn't that correct? Pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Molly shrugging her shoulders. 
But it is, yeah. it, is, it is a little bit of a complicated game, and mm-hmm. it's one that I think a lot of people, when they're in the stands, if they're not directly involved with the sport, you know, they probably right. are missing out on a lot of yes. key in-depth things. So I was curious to ask that one. Yeah, I definitely think it's the sport that the, the, the people watching have the, <laughs> many, the least understanding of. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody goes to a football game and a basketball game or a baseball game, and they think they, they know, know all every, the rules. Yeah, everything. <laughs> but volleyball is one of those ones where it's like, there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of small minutiae and rules and stuff in that that, that a lot of people don't get. Yeah, I, I, I even find myself, like, asking in, on my Nationals team, you know, like, hey, why did we just get, why did we get the point? And <laughs> they're like, I don't know, go ask Coach. And then I ask Coach, and Coach explains it. But it, it's just, like, there's so many small little yeah. rules that are just like, why is that even a thing? I, I've had a number of coaches, I think mostly, well, somewhat joking, uh, but tell me that their favorite part about coaching volleyball is that it's really hard for parents to yell at them because the, the, par- the parents don't know the parents rules. Don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this might be the toughest question on here, depending on how well you guys know your opponents by name. But Molly, who's the best hitter, and Hannah, who's the best setter that you've played against this year? Hope, hopefully, somebody local that our audience may may know. I don't. I don't know. There's. Honestly, a lot of the people we've played against are really equal in ability, so it's it's not that anybody's worse or better than the other. We just have a lot of ties along that line, I think. Um, <laughs> I think the setter from Leland. Ellis, that, Ella Siddle. Oh, Ella. Yeah. yeah. Ella. Yeah. She's good. Yeah. Awesome. That wraps up the wheelhouse and our interview with Traverse City St. Francis's Molly Mirabelli and Hannah Storwitz. Thank you guys for joining us in studio. We really appreciate it, and best of luck in your continued run through the postseason. Thank you so much. It was an honor. (laughs) Yes. Another big thank you to Traverse City St. Francis volleyball players Molly Mirabelli and Hannah Sidorowitz for joining the Get Around Podcast, episode 57. It was a pleasure having them in the studio. That interview brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. It's time for the bulletin board, gentlemen, and we have two items, albeit fairly significant ones, uh, at a time of the year where obviously the focus is on the teams who are still playing but first, Traverse City West Golf, Annika D won her third Miss Golf title. She's the first player in Michigan history to win that award three times. Does that mean she's the greatest golfer that Michigan's ever seen? As far as girls, I think so. I mean, yeah, this has just never been done. I mean, you know, you had Nicole Cox and you've had some other people from, that have won three titles. Um, but to win Miss Golf three times. Well, that's what I'm compu- confused about, is how do you win a state championship and not get Miss Golf? Because don't they have it by division? No, it's no, just it's, one Miss Golf. one Miss Golf. Oh, so. right. Yeah, so you, have four, so you have four state champions. <laughs> yeah. So she, was, she very well may have been one stroke away from being a four-time Miss Golf. I think she yeah. thinks more about the state championship she left on the table more than the Miss Golf title. But I mean, be that as it may, that's it's something you can have with your name, uh, the rest of your life. You know, three times the rest of your life. I know uh, the guys over at uh, Bay Meadows are talking about. They I think they have the trophy up there now, or is it? Is it yeah, it's a rotating one, right? It must be. I don't know. 
I think it's a rotating trophy, so it's the, it, it was sitting up there now, and he was saying, yeah, a couple weeks she'll she'll make history and bring home the third one, and, and we'll keep it up at Bay Meadows another year, although maybe she'll want to take it to Ann Arbor, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, such, such a great honor for a really humble individual and, uh, yeah, one that we keep talking about. We can't wait to see her on national TV someday. And maybe it could stay in T.C. for another couple of years if Auntie uh, could. lives up to their, her billing. Very possible. And the second... Big news of last week outside of advancing teams was the fact that Central Lake football and baseball coach Rob Hickey stepped down from the program. He's going to continue teaching math for the Trojans, but he will not be teaching the X's and O's. He led the Trojans to the 2017 state championship in Central Lake's first season of Division One eight-player football, undefeated year, 13-0, and and he has stepped down. So that's... That's a big loss for Central Lake. How hard is it going to be to replace Coach Hickey? It's going to be very difficult, not only to replace Coach Hickey, but you're going to lose you know, two of the best running backs maybe that that program has seen in a long time, and Skyler Spangler and Grant Papineau. You know, so next year is going to be a bit of a challenge, you know, whoever comes in. Um, but they're going to kind of have a clean slate and be able to do do their thing. You know, and then you also had uh, uh, Boyne City's Coach Hills, oh yeah, Dave Hills stepped down too. Mm-hmm. So you have had two, you know, longtime coaches up here who've done a lot of good things, uh, step down in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean it's a, uh, it's phenomenal what he did. He left the program, and then when they moved to eight man, he decided to come back and help with the transition. You know, <laughs> who knows what his clipboard of goals were for the 2017, 2018 season? But I, I doubt that it had state championship written on there. Maybe it had playoffs, win a playoff game, but. You know, he, they're going to be talking about what he did in that first year in eight-man for ever in the, in the village of Central Lake. So, I, I mean, you can't, you can't say anymore. He had the right to uh, bow out when he thought it was best, and, and now he feels like he's got that program back where it needs to be, and uh, now he wants to watch from afar and be one of the supporters. I did just want to hit home on one other point. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just a, a one-season wonder for Hiki at Central Lake. Uh, between his two stints, he coached the Trojans for eight years, and he made the playoffs four times. I think he won six playoff games. Obviously, four of those came in their state championship run. But he had a lot of success uh, with Central Lake, both eight-man and 11-man mm-hmm. football, and uh, he, he definitely deserves a tip of the cap for everything that he did for the Trojans. It's now time for the most prestigious segment of this long-running show. Even better than Brendan's roundtable dinner? <laughs> well, that roundtable dinner hasn't happened yet. That we know of. That we know of. Of course, Cobe didn't know about it, so it obviously hasn't happened. <laughs> but it is time to induct our latest intrinee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. We've got a few stellar candidates this week, guys. James, I'm going to let you start things off. Who are you putting up for the Hall of Fame this week? Yeah, I'll start with uh, with George Mackey. He had uh, 101 yards for for St. Francis, and that went over Kingsley on 10 carries, scored three touchdowns, uh, just had a big game. Also had 11 tackles on defense. And uh, t- to kind of show how tough of a game they got from Kingsley, that 11 tackles, I think, I don't think they've had a double-digit tackler in any game this season until that Kingsley game, and they had three. Wow. Harrison, who are you going to go with? 
Uh, I'm going to switch back over to volleyball. We talked about Jessica Leffler earlier in the Kingsley Stags. Huge program victory to finally get over the, the Cadillac hump. That had been the last four postseasons, and uh, they estimated to me it was like eight of the last ten years. So just what that did, her stat line was 22 kills, 21 digs in the regional final. She had 18 kills, nine digs in the semifinal. But that accomplishment, and you could tell, James, you and I were there, uh, she just it seemed like every other play she was a critical part of making and everything she was doing Cadillac had no answer for and it was a close game one but then once Kingsley started pulling away in game two you're like well we might be having a sweep on our hands when some of us were expect. I mean we got to talk about that matchup a little we spent months maybe years hyping the rematch and uh it, it, we were thinking it was going to live up to the billing of a good game and uh it did for Kingsley by winning in a sweep and that was a big part because of Leffler so right. she's my nod and that first game was you know like you said it was close and then in the second game, Leffler just decided that she was going to take over. I think she had like ten kills in the second game alone. Yeah, I, all of my highlights. And like a streak of, like, I gotta find somebody else. <laughs> in the, the middle part of that game, she had a streak where she had like eight out of ten of Kingsley's points in a row. Cadillac had I mean, no she, answer. She no was just, yeah, she was just laying down shots that, yeah, there was no. She hope was going of, to win. That. She could have taken on Cadillac by herself and maybe won. <laughs> I don't. Know. When, when, when that pendulum swings, it swings hard. Uh, much like Jessica Leffler above the net. I'm going to put up Onekama's Ben Acton, the senior running back, uh, carried the ball 29 times in the mud on Saturday for 162 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and also intercepted a pass that he returned 60 yards for the go-ahead score. That was his most important play. Absolutely (laughs) it was. I mean, I needed some professional stat-tracking information system uh after the game footsteps well that and and, you know that yellow line that they'll draw over the screen that shows where the runner went over the whole course of uh, the time he had the ball as well as you know one of the little numbered sequences that puts a dot every time he breaks a tackle because he broke a lot of them on that where was john madden when we needed him (laughs) why wasn't that trailer at onekama yeah it would have been great and uh yeah he he definitely led the Portagers uh, to this state championship game that's coming up on Saturday. Yeah, he was so good. His teammates literally robbed him from us when we were interviewing him post game and took him and threw him into the mud. That's what happened. They, li- mid, yeah, they, they literally came him, and picked him and up. They came and picked him during up the interview. And walked him away. And, 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 and well, that that interview is over. So that's how powerful he is. He can be interrupted mid interview. I mean, like LeBron James can do that. Harrison, I'll throw the vote to you first. Who are you going with? Like I said, I saw Leffler in person, and I really want to vote for her because she swayed so much in that critical game for Kingsley. But it, being a part of that Onekama win to clinch a state finals appearance, first in program history, and to do it in those conditions, mud and all, you got. I think you got to go Ben Acton. I mean, that, that was uh, world-class athleticism on display in very rough conditions. So Ben's my vote. James? I'm going to go with Leffler. Just... <laughs> You know, Brett, you better go with the uh, so, yeah, pick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You don't have to. I'm just gonna put all the pressure on you. But uh, I'm just you're, you're ending that. You're putting the pressure on me for He's my candidate vote for to his win. Own guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we just let, ending that streak. I think is just impressive the way she did it, taking over in the second and third games, and you know, Cadillac knew who was going to be hitting the ball, and they still couldn't stop it. Uh, it was that was just an impressive, impressive performance by her. 
I can imagine the dominance of Leffler's performance in that game, but unfortunately I didn't see it. I did see Ben Acton's, and he was the best player on the field, and it wasn't even close. And to do it in a state semifinal game and advance your team to the state championship, I've got to uh, – I'm going to – be thankful for Harrison's vote of confidence in my candidate and cast my vote for my own. Yeah, I'm the tiebreaker because I saw both. That's true. So, But, hey, maybe Jessica wins it this upcoming week. That's right. She, I mean, either one, ben can't. had they not been chosen, they, uh, well, sure he could. He could He could get it in the state championship game if I voted for Jessica. But we've already established that he won and he can't win twice. Well, yes, fine. Now you're just <laughs> Semantics. Being, now you're just being difficult, Harrison. But yes, co- won. congratulations to Onekama's Ben Acton. You are the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Hall of Fame brought to you by Jimmy John's, two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. We've just got one segment to go. And after such a fun show, it's a little bit of a bummer to do it with uh, no, this is still a, a be heavy fun. heart. You're right. It, it will be fun. That's what Stan would have wanted. But the the death of Marvel Universe founder Stan Lee has circulated, and it is it is sad. But he gave so many uh, the joys of comic books, the joys of movies, and uh, you know characters and thinking outside the box. Very and, distinguished voice too. Yes. I mean, just like you knew it was Stan. Should we do our Stan Lee impressions now? I just can't. No. I can't do impressions. You go ahead. Hey, Spider-Man, let's check in on the Marvel comic. Like this. <laughs> More of Albert I can do, but Stan Lee and the Hulk? Mm, I, I, w- so I, will ad- I will admit, after you asked us to do our uh, Marv Albert impressions the other you day, and I turned it down, I'm driving along in the car, and I'm trying to do it, and I actually got closer than I thought I would have been able to, but to, but it also took some fiddling with, and like I had to go about it a few times before I was like, okay, that was maybe kind of close. And uh, well, now you can so try stands. So I'm not, I'm not gonna do that here. Uh, I'll maybe I'll do it on the the ride home tonight again. Please, I'll let call you know me. how it goes. Yeah, call me in practice. <laughs> but so yeah, we just we just want to touch on you know what it was that Stanley delivered to us that was so meaningful, and uh, I think. Or I, I know that he had a pretty profound impact on James, so I'm going to let James start. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much grew up when I was a kid walking every week down to the, uh, the little drugstore in the little town I grew up in and, and just going and buying comic books every week. That's pretty much what I did with my allowance money You should go to that same stuff. store tomorrow when you go to the quarterfinal. I could if it's still there. If it's still there, That's I sacred could. ground. Yeah. And, and you know, and I would buy a lot of it was Spider Man and X Men. Um, was a lot of the stuff that I bought back then, and, and on a weekly basis. And and then uh, actually, GI Joe and the Transformers too. But but I mean, just a lot of Marvel stuff, a lot of Stan Lee stuff, and uh, and I particularly got into the uh, X Men. You know, Wolverine being the the loner badass. You know, who who can't be killed pretty much. I, I really got into that character and. You know, got into some of the the offshoot series from the X Men and and everything, and uh, so you know, so that was a pretty regular part of my life when I was a, a high schooler growing up. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's Stanley being the pop culture phenomenon that he is. He's so recognizable, 
everybody knows who he is when they hear his name today, even if they weren't really fans. Of, I mean, I didn't really collect comics as a kid, and I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, although when I saw Avengers in theaters, I was blown away, and they've got me hooked to buy all those tickets. Uh, shout out to the latest Avengers Infinity War. That was the best movie trailer I've probably ever seen. I've never been more excited to see a movie than when I saw that trailer. Having said that, I don't know Stan didn't really have anything to do with the trailer or the editing process. I don't know, maybe he did. But what I want to do within the trifecta here real quick, maybe this is what you were going to do. I want to share, and I'm going to go first because I got the best one. I want to share our favorite Stan Lee movie cameos. Number one is easily when he is the strip club DJ in Deadpool. Because nobody, oh, yeah. nobody <laughs> saw that coming. And they go in the strip club, and he's in there, all right, everybody, coming up next on the stage is Chastity. Or I can't remember the girl's name, but we just busted out laughing in the theater. That, that He's in that movie, which is a raunchy movie as is, uh, very adult-friendly picture. And then, uh, and yeah, he's the DJ at a strip club, which you didn't figure Stan Lee would ever do. But, you know, he was more than game to do it. Which one was the one where he showed up and he had like a, he had like an eighteen-year-old wife or you know, like in her twenties, like a model, you know? It was almost kind of Hugh Hefner-esque, in one of them. It sounds so familiar, but it's, I I don't know. Well, there's been so many of them where he's just you know the the he's curmudgeon, just a the bit, curmudgeon, guy. Yeah. yeah, just the random curmudgeon. I think old there's guy. one where he's like a janitor. There's one where he's, like, cleaning out, and they're like, hey, Mr. Bobo, make sure you get that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, boss. Or <laughs> that wasn't, you know, that wasn't actually the only time that he was sort of portrayed in that kind of role. I think Guardians of the Galaxy, he was also sort of like a an alien ladies' man kind mm-hmm. of as well. He was like a is, drunk, wasn't he? Which was really funny. I don't remember if he was drunk, but... Uh, one of the movies he portrays, like, a drunk that you know, can't hold down his liquor and says too much stuff and blah, blah, blah. There's just such a lovable... I'm sure there's a YouTube compilation of all of his movie cameos. It's such a lovable part of every movie. It, you know, it didn't necessarily, or most times, it didn't necessarily fit the flow of the movie. You know, it's always abrupt, but you're always glad to see him there. I hope that they've, you know, recorded some of these ahead of time, like yeah. I said earlier in the show, and that, you know, he's not going to go away entirely I bet yet. you he's in Captain Marvel for sure, and I'm just hoping yeah. he's in the final Avengers movie here. You know, the the favorite thing for me, I think, that's, you know, come from his universe is sort of the development of the, of the timeline within film. You know, nobody's done that better than Marvel, where you've got different worlds, different characters, all running in parallel universes, yet somehow tied together, and so you're always wanting that next one regardless what universe it's going to come from. You know, it feels like a, like a giant television show uh, it just on such a, a more grand scale that it makes it a lot more, a lot more fun, a lot more entertaining, and, and really engaging for, for the viewer, and that, that's, that's what I really love about what he's been able to accomplish. It is such fun creating characters, writing stories, even doing interviews, even though I can't hear most of what the guy says to me. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction, you don't want to stop. Rest in peace, Stan. Thanks for giving us so many wonderful things to enjoy. That ends episode 57 of the Get Around Podcast. 
I do want to throw out there real quick that, uh, you know, if you help us share, like, favorite, retweet this podcast, we can can get get you you fed. We can. We can do it. Hashtag. I just sent out six Jimmy John's tickets in the mail today for free sandwiches. Uh, You can get two from this episode. So, Am uh, I disqualified from winning? Because I retweet the episodes a lot. You are. Because I'm a part-timer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Sorry, buddy. That's all right. I, I also have a way of getting you're, some of my discount yeah, on you're, Jimmy uh, John's Your sports corner is Jimmy John's sponsored. <laughs> Which so you'll be I, on this week. I will. Yeah. Tomorrow. Right? James, you'll probably be on Tuesday. next week, so don't worry, buddy. Our, our routine Thanksgiving Lions breakdown mm-hmm. is on the way. Brett, but you're going to be gone for the next few weeks. We're going to be missing that's your right. uh, get-around That is. That's right. Epis- I, I believe... Episode 58, episode 59 for sure, and possibly episode 60 as well. There will be a new voice leading the show behind the microphone. Not sure if Jake and James are going to give me that up. Yeah, maybe Harrison, maybe maybe Brendan <laughs> will come, will come back for a show. I think we were going to do it where uh, I do uh, one, Jake does one, and Brendan does one. You do this okay. like Dan Patrick show where you just rotate <clears throat> the Danettes to host. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to run things while I'm uh, in Wisconsin enjoying some family time and doing a little deer hunting i'm looking forward to see what they put together i'm sure this show will continue to be great big thank you to all of our loyal audible viewers the show wouldn't be possible without you happy hunting this week and have a good one